Hello and welcome into the Next Gen Podcast, one of the newest podcasts on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. I'm your host, Bryson Wright. And before I get into today's episode, just want to give a little bit of background about myself. I am 21 years old and from Nashville, Tennessee. A lot of people probably would outside of Tennessee, you probably think there's a lot of Grizzlies fans in Nashville. There's a lot more now, I would say for sure. But when I was growing up, there really wasn't. So one of the ways that I really started to fall in love with the Grizzlies was online through Twitter and through stuff like Grizzly Bear Blues. And now being one of the people who can write and podcast and maybe be somebody that other people, if you're somewhere where there's not a lot of Grizzlies fans, you can either listen to this, see me on Twitter at BrysonWright3 or follow the blog on at SB Nation Grizzlies and everything like that. So very excited to get this started. And today we have our site manager over at Grizzly Bear Blues, Parker Fleming. Parker, how you doing today? I'm doing really good, Bryson. Uh, it's an honor to be your first guest on your first podcast. So very excited about the, the things that you're going to do here with the Next Gen Podcast and just how the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network continues to grow. Yes, for sure, for sure. And today, just wanted to start with talking about the schedule release, which I kind of see that as the start of the new season. It kind of goes from next season to this season. Once you have the schedule, it's almost time for training camp coming up pretty soon. So I, I feel like this is really the beginning of the next season. And obviously, I think the first thing that stood out to everybody was the number of national TV games which is 18 national TV games, not including NBA TV, which is by far the most in the history of the Grizzlies. I think I put I put out a tweet the morning of and I said over under 18. And I guess 18 just happened to be right. I don't have sources or anything, I promise. But yeah, I, I, I think that number is really cool, especially as somebody, like I said, who's been a Grizzlies fan uh, for my whole life. One of the things I talk about with next gen Grizzlies and the next gen of all this is, we've never had the team doing this well and being this notable. And I think that the number of national TV games just kind of shows that. Oh yeah. It's, it's really something, you know, like it's because I mean, not even the grit and grind Grizzlies got that. And I remember just being a fan back then. And it's just like the, the Grizzlies, they won like 50, 55 games and they'd be on national TV like five or six times. And you're like, what do they got to do? Do they got to like win the win the whole thing to get on national TV more? And now, you know, uh, DeMichael Cole with the Commercial Appeal put out a really good column that actually had uh, feedback from one of the executives over at ESPN. And they said that they got good stuff brewing on and off the floor. They have an exciting product. And, you know, though, and we were trying to create stories here as uh, that capture to the fans. And there's no team that really does that like the Memphis Grizzlies. So, it's very exciting now. It kind of comes along with new expectations and all that stuff, but I, I'm feeling very confident. But also feeling good. 18, 18 national TV games, and that doesn't even include the number of NBA TV games they have too, which I think puts them almost close to 30, which is just insane. Insane to think about. I would have never guessed this to happen. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely insane to think about, and yeah, it'll put, put them close to 30. Whereas last year, I think without NBA TV games, they had seven 
And then they got one taken away, I remember, as well. So I think they ended up with six. I think they may have added a couple maybe later in the season. But it was really kind of surprising last year to see the, how few they got. And then I think even Ja and Jaron went on Twitter and they were like, oh, they got us on TV this year. And I, I think another thing that kind of solidifies that is the Christmas Day game as well. Uh, Grizzlies Warriors, not only the Christmas Day game, but the primetime Christmas Day game mm-hmm. is going to be the uh, 8 Eastern, 7 Central game. So it's going to be really exciting to see that as well. Obviously, going to Golden State, they won the championship, as Draymond said, in that little back and forth, the champs play at home. But I think I don't think that that John and them would really have it any other way. I think that's going to be, it's going to make it even more exciting. Uh, I, I'm really excited for that game. I think a lot of people say that's going to be the most exciting game of the season, just because it goes back to the whole 18 national TV games. You never really thought you would see that with the Grizzlies, even with grit and grind and all of those teams. It was like Christmas day was still not even a question as good as that team got, even after they went to the Western Conference Finals. So it's really interesting that this team hasn't even been back to the Western Conference Finals, but they're already on national TV. And I think that's another thing just to show the John Morant effect and all of that that's been going on the last couple of years. Absolutely. You know, I honestly didn't think the Grizzlies and the Warriors would get the Christmas Day matchup because I was thinking, okay, uh, they're either going to try to pull out the, the Golden State Lakers matchup I also foresaw them doing the finals rematch with the Boston Celtics. And I was like, we're just got to hope that maybe the NBA tries to get some of that Zion magic again and gives us Java Zion on Christmas day. That's kind of like what I was thinking and kind of like under the radar kind of hoping for, because that's like the only that in Minnesota have been the only captivating matchups, but I don't think Minnesota's there quite yet. I think they will be soon, but not yet. So the fact that not only are the, Grizzlies playing on Christmas Day. They're playing against the champs in a rematch from last year's exciting playoff series. And then you and then also too it's the primetime game. And it, it's really just also kind of symbolic of, you know, the job you said the John Morant effect. But also on the other side, there's also the Steph Curry effect. And you have these two transcendent point guards and kind of feels like a little bit of a passing the torch kind of thing brewing up between like that exciting face of the league point guard. Like I, I think Ja Morant is the guy that could be very, um, very transcendent in that way, kind of similar to Steph. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited for actually having a game to look forward to on Christmas day. I always try to stay away. For, I try to always just have sports on in the background on Christmas day, but now actually like getting to like be invested in it. It's going to be like something we haven't really experienced before. Yeah, definitely. And I I do agree with the whole Steph Curry effect too, because that's definitely another part of it. And it's so interesting because it's like the opposite styles too, where Steph is known as obviously the greatest shooter of all time, most three pointers in history. And then you have Ja who is creating the most field goal attempts at the rim out of anybody in the league at 6-2. So it's it's almost just like the complete opposite play styles too that I think really makes the matchup more interesting. And I do have to talk a little bit about the fact that I low-key started it. I didn't mean to start it. Like No, 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 no. It's your podcast. Got <laughs> hey, gas yourself up, man. Gas yeah. yourself up. Yeah. Because I, I haven't had like a ton of time to talk about it a, 
like a lot, I think, publicly. And it was one of those things where when I tweeted that, I definitely didn't expect it to get the amount of traction it got. I just wanted it to kind of be something. Most of the stuff that I see is just really for Grizzlies fans. And on that day, it was when that whole beef has kind of started. I mean, it's not really beef. I don't know if there's another word that you can call it besides beef, because it's clear that they don't actually dislike each other, which I think that's really like it's not one of those one of those like really beefs where you're going to see people get into fights and the games and stuff like that. Like you might see in some football games or maybe some like old, like Pistons and Bulls back in the day rivalries. It's not like that level, but there's definitely a little bit of something there. And I think that's the most important thing. And I think it's enough for there to, to call it a rivalry at this point. I, I, I think it's almost there. Like I said, it's not anything crazy. Like, uh, the Pistons and Bulls or something like that, or Lakers and Celtics where they were going to the finals all the time or every they met each other every year for four or five years. But I think it's kind of like the beginnings of that. And the NBA definitely wants to capitalize on that because they have to go against the NFL this year on Christmas for the first time, I, at least that I can remember, they have to go yeah. head to head on Christmas. Yeah. And, you know, I, I see a bunch of people being like, oh, the the NFL is trying to compete with the NBA for Christmas. I'm like, it's because Christmas is on a Sunday this year. They're obviously going to try to play on Christmas on the day that most of them play. And I will say, like, I I think there's only two really captivating matchups on Christmas Day. That's Grizzlies, Warriors, Bucks, Celtics. Obviously, New York Sixers gets interesting if that Donovan Mitchell trade goes down. Lakers and Mavericks is interesting because it's LeBron versus Luka. But I mean, I I, I got to give credit to the NBA. They they did a good job matching it up, and uh, if it feels good, also you know, being the the game that people are actually looking forward to. You're not that snoozer game where it's like, okay, well, well, this game's gonna be playing while we're doing like Christmas dinner, Christmas gifts, all that stuff. So that that's something that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I I like the like I said, I like the fact that it's the prime time game. It's the later game. It's not the one that's at like noon when everybody is first waking up and everything. It's 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 the biggest game for sure. And I think that's going to be really important. But yeah, I, I like the other matchups too. I really do like the LeBron and Luca thing, like you were saying. I think that's really interesting. I think it kind of has the same thing going on with Steph and Ja, where it's kind of like the passing of the torch because. Uh, of the point guard and then even though Luca technically is a point guard he has more of I feel like the LeBron play style you know Mm -hmm. what I mean so I I think all those matches are going to be really interesting Uh, but then looking at the rest of the schedule I think the most another thing that's going to be important is the beginning of the season Uh, just because we're not sure what's going to be going on with Jaron Jackson Jr. how many games he's going to miss if any it's it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. But I think the NBA actually did the Grizzlies a little bit of a favor because as last year, I felt like the beginning of the season was really tough for them. It, does, it doesn't look like it's that difficult. Obviously, there's going to be games in there where it's going to be difficult. Like I know they're, they're going to be playing Dallas. That's going to be a tough game. Uh, they're still going to be playing the Nets, which regardless of what happens, unless KD gets traded, they're still going to have Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and then maybe a healthy Ben Simmons. That's a tough mm-hmm. team, but it's looking at you don't play the Warriors or the Bucks or the Suns or some of those teams that have kind of been established their core and are going to come out of the gate strong. You're playing a lot of teams where even if you are playing 
Dallas, you know, they're going to have Christian Wood. It's going to be a little bit different. They're still going to have Luka, but there's a lot of stuff that's changed around them. Uh, They're going to be playing Utah twice on the road, but they're going to be dealing with not having Rudy Gobert and maybe Donovan Mitchell if he doesn't get traded. So it's there's a lot of teams with question marks, whereas obviously the Grizzlies have a couple as well. But I do think I, I think there's a lot of winnable games in that first stretch. And I think that's the most important thing. Absolutely. It's it's definitely the part of the schedule where, you know, if the Grizzlies don't have Jaron Jackson Jr. for the first stretch of the season, that's pretty favorable. Honestly, that kind of reminds me of last year. I remember the league kind of gave the Warriors a really soft start to the season and they ended up starting out like, I want to say it was like eight and two or something like that. And I think, so. I mean, granted, the Grizzlies aren't going to start the season 10 and 0. Obviously, you said there's tough matchups in there. There's Dallas, um, Portland. It's revamped. They got, obviously, Damian Lillard back, but Simons took a leap. They got Jeremy Grant. They got Josh Hart. They have an interesting team. You also have the Sacramento Kings' first full season with Darren Fox and Demonis Sabonis. Keegan Murray's also really good. But that's definitely the part of the season where you're like, okay, let's try to get out to this good start so we're not trying to play catch up or anything let's try to go ahead and jump out into that early schedule those first 10 games before you play the Boston Celtics in, a, in that for, within that first couple of weeks and let's just kind of set the tone it's like hey this is not going to be a step back like people think it's going to be let's let's go out prove them that we could still play the Grizzlies standard of basketball even with Jaron Jackson Jr. out or replacing Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton with rookies but let's kind of show them that there's a standard we're out to play and it should really kind of help set the tone pretty early in what's kind of shaping out to be like a really, really tough Western Conference. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of it being such a tough Western Conference, I think that's another reason why the early season is going to be important to see if maybe they can get a lead on some of these other teams like Dallas, like Denver, like the Clippers, if they stay healthy, all of those teams are going to be fighting a lot. And I think that kind of brings us to uh, – Around like January, the other big game uh, that you're going to see is the the MLK Day game. Obviously, they always play that one in Memphis with the Suns. And that's going to be right before a stretch of a couple games where they're going to have to go to Phoenix. They're going to have to go to Golden State. They're going to have to go to Minnesota. Obviously, the Suns at home on MLK Day, that's going to be a tough game as well. I think that's going to be a really important stretch of games. Uh, but I, I think that's also one that I'm – that's one of the stretches of games that I'm the most excited about. Uh, they're going to be on like a five-game road trip out west. They're going to play the Lakers, the Suns, uh, Golden State, all of them all back-to-back. And I think that's going to be probably – I don't know if it's going to determine how high their seeding is, but it could definitely either be the trampoline kind of into the last part of the season where if they come out of that trip four and one – or something like that, it can kind of give them more momentum going into the end of the season. So that's one of the stretches of the seasons that of the season that I'm really excited for, even though obviously there's a lot before that. That's in January. But I think that's just one of the times that kind of stood out to me. And it's also a part of the new NBA rivalry week, which they're doing this week, which the Grizzlies get two games during that week as well, which is just another thing to talk about how the NBA is really promoting the Grizzlies higher than ever before. Yeah, it's kind of like they uh, kind of picked up on the the petty machete that's out here in Memphis. You know, it's like how they kind of caught on to that trash talk. I mean, I tell you what, obviously you would think 
the Grizzlies and Warriors would be on there. I will say I kind of wish, you know, I'm glad they're taking advantage of that Warriors and Grizzlies and kind of that marquee Christmas and rival. But, like, could the Grizzlies at least have gotten the home game for the Rivals Week? They got both games on the road. I don't know if you noticed that, but they have Golden State on the road and then Minnesota on the road, which give me all the John Morant, Anthony Edwards in the whole world. Give me every single bit of that in all the primetime matchups. But like, damn, this team was the second best team in a regular season. Like surely during rivalry week, you can give one of those at home, right? Or is the league trying to turn the Grizzlies into the new villains and have rivalry week on the road because of the moxie and the swagger they play with, the trash talk? I don't know. I'm kind of like feeling like like the Bryant the Bryant Windhorse meme right now, but like, oh yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying though, and yeah, yeah, I yeah. feel like they play really well on the road. The road like Warriors, yeah, they've always played really well on the road. Like even it, and that's why even this year, like when they got home court advantage and then lost home court advantage in the first game in both series, I was still like, okay, but they play better on the road at times, and mm. it was really interesting because. Even when Ja was a rookie and the team was even younger than it is now, I felt like they were a better team on the road than at home a couple of those Mm -hmm. seasons. So I think that might be one of the reasons why. And also, you do have to keep in mind that the Grizzlies did come back by down by 26 in Minnesota twice. And I think maybe that's a little bit of that as well. They want to kind of capitalize on that. But I Mm -hmm. do think they should have at least given I think they should have given them the Minnesota game at home. I think like at at least on. Yeah, because it's because Minnesota lost that series. So it kind of seems like I feel like they should have let them have that one at home. And then the Warriors on the road, that's fine. Whatever. Like like I said, this is kind of their victory lap season, I guess. So they get all the big games at home this year. And I think that's fine. And then mm-hmm. uh, another another day that I also realized the Grizzlies were playing on is Super Bowl Sunday. That's going to be fun. And it's an ABC game. The ABC yeah. Sunday game. I haven't seen the Grizzlies have that in a long time. I'm I'm actually like kind of excited for that. You know, me and my fiance, we're more basketball people. Like our Super Bowl plans literally get made with like within the like the hour of the Super Bowl. Like we're like, oh, we'll just go to this person's house. Like whatever. It's all good. We're not like playing the Super Bowl like two weeks out or anything. So I'm glad the Grizzlies and Celtics are playing on that day. But I was looking at the schedule, and I, I got to give credit to you know Rob Fisher from the broadcast team with his schedule breakdowns. A lot of these national TV games are on the road. Not a complaint, just an observation. It's quite quite interesting, to say the least. Uh, but, yeah, that's something I've, I noticed there. But in that stretch, too, there, I there's one I'm really looking at right here. They have – Four straight, actually five of six games on national TV in March at Denver, at the Clippers, at the Lakers, versus Golden State, and then home against Dallas, which won't be on national TV, and then at Dallas on ESPN. And I'm also looking at that as like, wow, that's going to be an exciting time. But my gosh, that's going to be the like probably the hardest stretch of the season because I'm I'm looking at those five games, five or six games. And then after that, they got at Miami, at San Antonio, which post-All-Star break San Antonio, that might be a little bit of a doozy because I don't even know who their best player is right now or uh, how good they're going to even be 
But then right after that three-game home uh, road trip, they have Golden State at home and then Dallas at home. So it's – The entire month of March. The entire month of March is kind of interesting. Yeah, that's a 10-game stretch that's going to be incredibly defining for the Memphis Grizzlies. If they come out of that that on top, coming out like – six and four or seven and three that might be your oh this this is a team that's a contender because you know the Grizzlies had that stretch this season probably around January where you're like oh this team's like they can legit win it all this year that might be the stretch of the season where you're like they might got it this year yeah no and if you read the uh whenever we released a round table about the season, I think I actually wrote that that thought that was going to be the defining stretch of the season as well. Like mm-hmm. if, if, if they come out of that part of the season with all of those games being on national TV and being on the road in a row, that means you're going to have the majority of basketball fans have eyes on that game, especially that, especially that Lakers game, I think, because obviously it's LeBron. So that's the one that's going to get a ton of, like it's going to get a lot of publicity, especially if the Lakers and the Clippers and Golden State and Dallas, if they're all if they're all kind of in the same place in terms of standings, because I, I don't think there's going to be a runaway team this year like last year with the Suns, where the Suns kind of I think the Suns kind of messed up the rest of it just because of how many games they won. There wasn't as many battles as you've probably seen in the past. I think that there's going to be a battle for the one seed, kind of like it was in the East last year, up until the last couple weeks of the season. So I think this stretch for the Grizzlies, it really could be the difference in being a two or three seed or trying to fight to avoid the play-in game in the last week of the season. So I think that's why it's one of the toughest stretches, and it's going to be one of the most defining stretches just for the entire season and in terms of playoff seeding, because that's all Western Conference games too. Mm-hmm. Even the smaller games between, like they're going to Houston before that, they're going to San Antonio, they're going to have two more home games against Houston. Like those are all conference games, and that can be really big uh, for seeding, even if it is against a team that you don't think is going to be as good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you brought up a good point. Like there's probably. I would say about six teams, maybe. I got. I kind of got to count. You know, the Grizzlies, Suns, Clippers, Warriors, Timberwolves, and Nuggets are probably six teams that you can very much see being the number one seed in the regular season. But also, too, at the same time, I like it's similar to the East last year. Like, you know, Cleveland and Chicago, they were both like fighting for the one seed, and then got injuries quickly fell fell down into the standings. And there was there was that like lack of separation between the teams that kind of made 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 that race a little bit fun. And you know that's the same it could be this year. And you know, I see that game in March as a um as a defining stretch. And I must add on a different side note, the absolute hilarity that should come from the season finale at Oklahoma City on a Sunday at 2 30 and the Victor Wimbenyama sweepstakes, that might be an all-time tank game from the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm just looking at the schedule right now, and that's like one thing that stood out to me. It's like, okay, the league did the the Grizzlies a favor on that one. My goodness. Oh, yeah, no. I I was going to talk a little bit about that because you look at the last couple, it's going to be at Milwaukee too, which 
what are the odds Giannis actually plays in that game? Right, right at the last in at the end of the season, but that Oklahoma City game with Victor Wimbanyama on the line possibly is going to be insane. But I think that's probably going to be a rest game for the Grizzlies. I mean, obviously they had a rest game at the end of the season this year too uh, against the Celtics, and I think at right. that point it we'll see what happens. I guess it'll all be based on the seating. But if it is a rest game, we could see the amazing matchup of Kenneth Lawson Jr. versus uh, Pokashevsky. <laughs> Uh, from Oklahoma City, which I think that would be the most compelling matchup, along with Chet Holmgren, who may or may not still be playing at that time. But we already saw that in the summer league. So, like, why not see that with the last game of the season with not really anything on the line for either teams, possibly, but possibly everything on the line for both teams, as in Victor Wimbanyama or maybe the Grizzlies have to win that game to get a higher seed. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when you get to that end of the season. But yeah, that, that's another game that I thought was going to be really funny. That's that's the hilarious game of the season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm Yeah, but overall... No complaints with the schedule. Uh, I know everyone kind of gets a similar shake at it when you really think about it in the grand scheme of things when it comes to back-to-backs, um, games within um, kind of like how many games are within certain days, uh, matchup difficulty. You kind of get the same thing. Uh, obviously, there might be differences in rest time and travel time and all that, but there's really no complaints at all with this schedule. and. I'm glad. It should be good. Yeah, no, our, our friend Anthony Sane said it best the other day when I was talking to him in a Twitter space, and he was like, uh, the most important thing is I like to see how many national TV games and stuff like that. I know they're going to play the East teams twice. They're going to play the West teams either three or four times. They're going to have some back-to-backs. They're going to have some times where they have three days of rest, and they're going to play on Christmas. And it's like, that. that's kind of like, that's kind of how it is. Obviously, you look at stretches like we talked about, but at the end of the day, everybody does get kind of the f- a fair shake at it. Everybody's going to play basically the same teams. The only difference is like the number of times you're going to play them. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. Uh, but before we get to the end of this, I did want to throw out some over-unders that we could talk about. Uh, I kind of just set these kind of based on a little bit based on last season and then also kind of the – some of the parameters going into this year. So first we're going to go Grizzlies wins. They had 56 last year. I'm not going to set the over under at that. I'm going to set the over under at 52. Uh, I'm going to go slight under. I'm going to go like 50 to 51. You know, just like we said, the West is tough. Teams are going to kind of be like beating up on each other there. I think this is probably one of the deepest the league has been in quite some time. I think last year there was only three teams that won more than 53 games. And I think the depth of the league is kind of a product of that. So I'm going to go like a slight under. Yeah, I'm actually going to agree with you on that because I'm thinking they could get 252, but I think that might actually be their win total. But I also think there's not going to be a team that gets to 60 this year. I don't think on either side. So I think I like that, that. yeah, I think that fifty-two is going to be enough for possibly a three or four seed, and so that's just kind of how I'm looking at it this year. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a team that gets to sixty. All right, the next one we're going to go with is John Morant over under twenty-eight points per game. 
28 points per game. Uh, I'm actually, and I hate to do this again. I'm going to go under again, but I think it's because Desmond Bain takes another leap and averages like 22. Okay. I think, I I think, I think what's going to end up happening. So job last year averaged a hair under a hair under seven assists. I think he will see a slight dip in his scoring average, probably around like 25 but I think he's going to average close to 10 assists a game. So if I put his over-under on points plus assist at 35, would you over. take the over? Okay, I like that. Okay, I'll I would take over the over on that. I think I would take the over on both of those because I feel like he's going to – I still think he's going to score a little bit more just because mm-hmm. I feel like he averaged 27 last year and there were or 27.4 last year, and there were still times where I felt like he could have been more aggressive. And I think he's going to be forced to be more aggressive a little bit at the beginning of the season, along with Desmond Bain, just because Jaron might not be playing. And then they're going to have to kind of wait on that bench to develop a little bit when you have like the rookies with David Roddy and Jake LaRavia going to be there instead of Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton, who at the beginning of last year were ready in those roles already. I'm not sure about them yet i think by the end of the season david roddy laravia even kennedy chandler at times all of those guys vince whoever it is and kenneth lofton for all the rookies whoever it is i think they're going to be a lot better but i just think at the beginning of the season he's going to have to assert himself a lot more so i think we might see a little bit more scoring just in general i will say it's one of those things with jaw like you can't really tell i can see him like having a slight drop off in scoring, but increases assists. But I can also just see him come out the gates and set the tone to average like 28 to 30 points a game next year. Like no outcome with that surprises me. He's shown and said he, the only stat he cares about is winning. Mm-hmm. Winning and also he, he likes assists because it means his teammates are doing well. But yeah, I, I, I could see either scenario uh, to be honest. Yeah, I, I I see what you're saying on that. I, I, I like that. I just think he's going to – I just think his scoring is going to increase a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the next one I want to go with is Jaron Jackson Jr. Re- return date. Are you, do you think he'll be back before or after the beginning of December, so December 1st? I'm going to say before. Okay. I, I know I know you're big into following like the social media activity and stuff like that. Like you don't get like deep into the trenches and like fall like look at like their likes or who they're following and unfollowing or anything. You know, you just you share the stuff that's out there, the stories, the post, uh the shared videos from like the workout sessions or the the pro ams. And I, I've seen where Jaron is like back on the court right now. Yes. Um he's been he's been working out up up at the form as he's put on social media and I'm like okay like I and also the timetable was 4 to 6 months and that was that was beginning in July into June. I can see them going more 4 than 6. I know people are like oh but the Grizzlies are typically cautious with their injuries and stuff like that but it's a little bit of a different uh I'm trying to find the right word. Like they're it's like a different it's like a different place in the franchise right now. With Jaron's injury beforehand, they were kind of toggling between the play in. 
You know, they weren't competing for a championship. They weren't competing for home court advantage in the West. They were kind of in that mix. And also, too, like, they were like, it was the second year of the rebuild. They were like, okay, if we slip just a little bit and we get a higher pick and a, and a good draft, it's not the end of the world. I mean, they were trying to trade up for Evan Mobley. They traded up seven spots to get into the top 10 of that 2021 draft. I'm not saying they were trying to intentionally tank, but it kind of allowed them to take their time with Jaron and also make sure the knee was right. I don't think they're going to do that this this year. I don't think they're going to do any games where it's like, oh, well, what's the update on Jaron? When is he actually going to come back? Uh, Why are they exceeding the timeline they gave us? I think the fact they gave us that timeline shows that it's not as significant as like that knee injury was. So that's why I'm going to say he's probably back around thanksgiving yeah i I was gonna say i think that he'll be back probably right before december Mm -hmm. just because like you said everything that i've seen it looks like he's progressing well he's been saying the foot is doing really great and obviously they've been putting that on social media as well as in his like instagram lives and everything Uh, i've seen him doing a lot of different stuff in terms of rehab as well. And it's looking like it's going pretty well. And I also think it's a little bit different when it's a knee injury. I think that's why they were really cautious with it. I don't think this is one of those injuries where there's a super high potential risk of re-injury after it heals up. You know what I mean? So it's it's one of those things where I think, I think he'll be back. Obviously I'm not a doctor, but I think that he'll be back a little bit sooner than that six months on the timetable. But yeah, I think that's, I mean, I, that's why they give you a timetable. It could be, I mean, I think four months would have put him back right before the beginning of the season. So right. let's see if his recovery, just if he has like miraculous recovery time or like a really, really great recovery time, he might only miss two or three games or only a week of the season, or maybe he won't miss any games. So I, I think that's one of the reasons why when people say they know the Grizzlies are taking a step back because Jaron's going to be out, especially with the schedule coming out, I think it's a lot there. It's a lot less likely that they take a step back at the beginning of the season than I would have thought before the schedule release. I, I feel a lot better about the beginning of the season and I feel a lot better about his injury so I think, yeah, I think he'll be back. I'm I'm hoping to see that he'll at least get to 65 games played. I I think that's that's a good that, that, that yeah. that's a good like area for him to be at, even if he does miss the beginning of the season. Right. I'm still gonna go like 55 to 60 because I think there'll be like some maintenance stuff, you know, like low management, no back to backs, maybe no like three games and four nines kind of things and. I just see them doing stuff like that, but who knows? All right, and then I, I got two more. The first one is going to be for Zaire Williams. Do you think Zaire Williams will get over or under 12 points per game this year? I'm going to go slight under because you have Jaw, you have Jaron when he comes back, you have Desmond Bain, you have Dylan Brooks. All those guys typically average north of 15 points per game. And there's only, there's only so many points to go around. Hell, I mean, he could get 12 just by taking a little bit of the scoring load off from when uh, DeAnthony was uh, now DeAnthony's departure. He could average 12. Actually, I'm going to I'm gonna push on that. I, I'm going to push. Now that like, I'm like, talking through it, I'm like, okay, I can see it. I mean, heck, if you, even if they upped Brandon Clark's minutes just a little bit, I think he was having his best scoring rate of the year last year. I think he averaged like, 18 or 19 points per 36 minutes, but he only 
played about 19 minutes per game. And I want to say when he played between 20 and 29 minutes, obviously I don't see Brandon Clark playing 30 minutes a night. Most, most of the guys in the Grizzlies don't. When he played at least 20 minutes, he averaged about 12.6 points per game. So that's another high-ish volume scorer right there. So... Yeah, I, I kind of – I'm going to push on it because, again, I can see any scenario with that. But, um, yeah, there's just a lot there, – there's only one basketball. I know it's cliche to say there's only one basketball, and they got a lot of guys that can put the ball in the hoop. They do score a lot, so, like, may, who knows? Who knows? But I, I'm going I'm going to push on that for right now. Okay, I, I I feel you on the push. I'm gonna go slightly over, but I'm gonna say like twelve point three. Like yeah. I don't think he's gonna get to like fifteen or anything like that. But I I, I would I would not be surprised because I think he's gonna have a couple nights where he's gonna have re- really good games, especially since I think he's gonna be the main scorer on the bench unit now with right. D'Anthony not being there and with Kyle Anderson not being there, he he's going to be asked to handle the ball a lot more with that second unit. And then maybe, I mean, obviously last year he ended up having to start a lot of games too, which we'll see what happens with that. If there's any injuries or somebody has to miss a couple weeks and he gets thrown into the starting lineup again. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go slightly over. And then the last one is with the rookies just combined. Do you think that rookies will play more than 25 minutes a game next year combined i don't think so um it kind of depends on the jaron jackson jr situation and who kind of fills in 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 that spot i think the p i don't think i don't think kenny lofton vince williams or kenny chandler get substantial playing time kenny chandler has the best shot out of those three because if Job misses another 20 games this year, that backup point guard spot could be his for the taking. And Taylor Jenkins has shown that he plays he could play his rookies. But also, too, they could just go with Desmond Payne as the de facto backup point guard as well. Uh, I I think it kind of boils down to who wins that other forward spot in the front court. Um, assuming a, a healthy Jaron Jackson Jr., obviously you're going to have Jaron, Adams, and Clark. It, it kind of depends on the route there. Obviously, Xavier Tillman has a veteran edge, but they could go with Santi Aldama, who provides a little bit more height. They could go with Jay Claravia, who provides more outside shooting when when he's aggressive shooting the basketball and has that additional playmaking flair. Uh, David Roddy, he has he's an excellent player in transition, created his own shot, but that that front court though with I know they stagger minutes, but him and Clark for like even like a three or four minute stretch, that's tiny. That is a very tiny yeah. front court, which it may not matter. But uh, yeah, it, it kind of boils down to that. I mean, you could run into a situation where neither one of those guys between Roddy and LaRavia are in the rotation because they're going to roll with Santi Altama or Xavier Tillman. Uh, I'm not going to say Killian Tilly yet because he didn't play in summer league. They have 16 roster spots right now with his contract status. He seems like, and also just kind of the situation. I mean, he's been injured a lot. They have a lot of overlapping guys in that mix. It's kind of tough to see them cutting 
Xavier Tillman, especially since he's played minutes for them in the playoffs. Uh, I, I didn't think he had a great season last year, but I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt to potentially bounce back. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under just because I, I think I, I don't know what that front court is going to shake out to be. Yeah, I'm going to go under as well. And one of the reasons why I wanted to throw that one in there is because I see a lot of people who have been worried about the number of rookies on the team. But you have to think that if they're not like, I don't know, they might reach 20 minutes a game combined 25 like that. I feel like that would be the maximum. And that would be if there were some injuries. And I still think that when you have the other guys uh, playing in some of those positions, like, you know, John, John Conchar is going to have to play a lot more minutes as well. So we'll see how many of those guys really get into the rotation. I think that the most likely guys will be Roddy and LaRavia. Still, I think those two are the most likely to get in rotation with then you have maybes with Kenneth Lofton Jr., Vince Williams and Kennedy Chandler. But I, I, I think it's going to come down to how well LaRavia and Roddy look when it comes to training camp and when it comes to preseason. And that's really going to determine how much rookie playing time we see during this new 2022-23 regular season. Uh, Parker, thank you for coming on. Uh, if you want to go ahead and shout out where the people can find you and everything like that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you follow the blog on Twitter at SPN Grizzlies. And uh, make sure you're subscribing to the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Uh, we're doing a lot of exciting stuff. Uh, obviously, I'm hosting GBB Live. The starting five is staying the same, but uh, the core four made its relaunch around David Buckler uh Xavier Dotson and Matthew Gill. You have Bryson and his podcast for the next gen podcast. And then we also have a game day game gambling podcast coming out called Grizzly Bear Bets. So it, it's definitely an exciting time to be a Grizzlies fan and we want to reflect that through our work. So check out the blog on on uh online at grizzlybearblues.com. Check out the podcast network wherever you get your podcasts. And Bryson, thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with this podcast. Yes, thank you so much. And obviously, like you said, make sure to follow the podcast everywhere, uh, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of that. And uh, thank you for listening to the first episode of the Next Gen Podcast. Uh, we'll see you on the next time.